welcome to This Start Life. I'm your host, Lisa Leonard. If you're not doing it already, remember to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. Um, or as always, you can just follow us on SoundCloud as well. This week, I sat down with two awesome female powerhouses in the field of sports. None other than Marilyn Arsenault from Mindful Strides in Victoria, Canada. Uh, Marilyn is uh, a national and international elite runner, mentor and coach. And along with her was none other than Melanie McQuaid of racergirl.com. Melanie is a three-time Xterra world champion and cross triathlon world champion um, who actually has now transitioned into uh, Ironman and the, the half Ironman distances. So super exciting to see her progress and, and watch that, watch how she's developing in the longer road sports as well. They both have really interesting stories on how they got into the sport and and I was really pretty excited just to sit down with them and talk about anything. However, this podcast has a load of truth bombs, I would have to say. <laughs> and I think that um I think some truth bombs that I think some coaches or industry people are maybe too afraid to be open and honest about. So we got into the nitty gritty of coaching, uh, weight concerns for athletes, and just learning how to channel and promote your strengths. Personally, I walked away from this this one pretty inspired and motivated, and hopefully uh, you get the same out of it. So please welcome to This Start Life, Melanie and Marilyn. All right, so I'm sitting here at the beautiful Lake Las Vegas Sports Club with Melanie McQuaid and Marilyn Arsenault. Arsenault, nice mm-hmm. to meet you. Um, and so you've been out here now for three days doing the different camps and stuff, is that right? Or? Uh, we did, um, I did a bike clinic on Thursday and Marilyn did an awesome run clinic on Friday. And that was essentially the, the two... Uh, two sessions that were sponsored by uh, UNLV. We were invited by Dr. John Mercer to come down and and just talk a little bit about um, biking and running. And then I just did a session today with a couple athletes that wanted to talk about swimming. Perfect. Um, And so are you also a triathlete also? No, I'm, I'm just a runner. Oh, okay. oh you're no, never I, just so anything. Yeah, I'm going to brag about Marilyn okay, on her behalf. You. Okay, so Marilyn, okay, first off, she she owns a, a, a company called Mindful Strides, which uh, teach, literally teaches people how to run. It's a, a very effective program that really changes um, all of their uh, posture and just sense of where they, how they're running and how to use their body and be relaxed. Mm-hmm. And, and she's been, she's also a coach in town and she has a really strong group of runners, um, recreational runners that mm-hmm. can run mile after mile after mile injury free, which is her philosophy is injury free, mm-hmm. relaxed running. And she herself is a bit of a badass. Like she actually started <laughs> running really, really late in life. How old? 35. 35. She nice. started really late. Um, that is really late is, in life. It is. And um, she has a 240 marathon, wow. like a 34 minute 10K. And she's still really fast, like very, very, very fast. So she's a, a, a legitimate yeah. um, athlete, but she's also just an, like, a, not only is she an amazing athlete, but she's just a brilliant um, coach in communicating um, 
run technique, which is something that I believe a lot of uh, triathletes don't even consider. Right. And and given how many athletes, particularly I've moved into Ironman now, I, how many athletes in Ironman basically uh, train their faces off only to get injured all the time? Right. Um, they uh, everyone like it's it's a no brainer to go to a swim clinic to talk about technique, and everyone does drills on their bike all the time to try and be better at cycling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the drills they're generally doing for running are the wrong drills, and um, they're reinforcing poor technique mm-hmm. when they're running, and they uh, don't mm-hmm. don't ever do anything. So, mm-hmm. anyways, Marilyn, carry on. <laughs> like, let's talk more about like. Yeah, yeah, she's I mean, not just a runner. <laughs> no. And so are you based here in Las Vegas then? No, I'm no. I'm from Victoria, BC Victoria. as well. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful part of the country, it by the is. way. <laughs> I was lucky, lucky enough to race up there at the Xterra last year. Oh, cool. And it was just, it was such a beautiful place to be and visit and, and race in was just like a secondary bonus, I feel like. But <laughs> yeah, we're fortunate. Yeah. 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 We're very lucky yeah. to live there. Yeah. Super a- active town, too. Yeah. So. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so... Um, so you just briefly mentioned there you've transitioned into Ironman racing, mm-hmm. um, but your your background was from the Xterra and the off-road stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still feel like that's kind of where your passion is, or do you feel your passion for the sport has changed over the years? Well, I think in 2012, I was ready for a new challenge. Like, I think I had, I felt like I had accomplished everything I, I could in um, off-road racing. Which was three-time world champion, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I had, I, I won three of the Xterra Worlds and I won the I2 Worlds as well. And Excellent. then, um, and then I just was sort of like, I, I was about to embark on like my 12th year um, racing the, the U.S. tour. Yeah. Um, and so I, I briefly considered the European tour. But then I just thought um, athletes from road triathlon were coming into Xterra, and I just felt like I wanted to prove that Xterra athletes could also be really good at road triathlon. Yeah. And so I, I it was sort of my mission to go and win some Ironman stuff. Yeah. And so, and like and I I was like frankly I was unsuccessful um, in my first couple of years because I was trying to do everything. I was trying to still race Xterra and still do Ironman, and I was getting older, and so I wasn't really respecting the amount of recovery I needed from. Both the travel from Xterra. I didn't need as much recovery from an Xterra race per se, mm-hmm. um, but I did need more recovery from a half Ironman race. Yeah, and I did need more um, time at home to train. And so I right. was finding that I was just doing too much, and yeah. that's why I had to switch pretty much to Ironman exclusively right. because. I just really couldn't handle um, the schedule I was trying to carry. So yeah. for two years, I was a little average because I was trying to do everything. Yeah. And then I switched fully to Ironman. And in 2014, I won like, I think I won four races. And That's three awesome. of them were like wire to wire. So I had a really good year in 2014. So 2015, I was like, okay, I'm ready. I'm going to do a full Ironman. And so so that was the first year I did full Ironman. And as much as I... I, so I Canada? Actually, yeah. I did we Canada fit? and Arizona. I was second. Your second? Yeah. Sorry, that's terrible. Because <laughs> I was at that race. Oh, you were at that race. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. That the was rainy one, rain. Yes. Yes. It was so terrible. It was freezing. <laughs> yes, it was. It was. Yeah. But that, that's an incredible race to to have as your debut as well. It's, it was, it's know, hard. It's that's a hard It's super hilly. Course. There's yeah. a lot of elevation. Even on the run, you know, like looking at the run uh, profile, you're like, oh, it's not too bad. But then it seemed to be so hilly. It even, is. Even though it they were, they were just gradual climbs and then just like a few, you know, meters of like a pitchy it, climb. Yes. That just, you know, once your legs were drained from yes. the bike, it was, yeah. it was a tough one. But, yeah. Well, yeah. 
yeah, that was that was cool. I didn't realize that was your first Ironman. Yeah, then, and so. I think it's kind of an advantage when you've never raced Ironman before because yeah. you're just assuming it's going to be hard. Yeah. So like the fact that it was so hard, yeah, <laughs> um, really didn't matter because right. it just sets a good, it sets a good bar, right? Now right. if I go to an easy Ironman, I'm like, oh, right. well, this is. Easy, absolutely. In air quotes, right? <laughs> yeah. So, Mary, you probably know. You should. Mary's like won the Whistler half there. So, you oh, probably, wow. you yeah. do two laps of essentially the Whistler half. Yeah. So. yeah. There's no flat. There. No, no. no. It, it just, yeah. No. It's, I made the mistake though. of like oh, yeah. looking at my splits in that Ironman, and that was the last time I like it was a really <laughs> foolish thing to do because yeah. you just you're either going way too fast because you're running downhill, right. or you're running way slow well, and you're worried even about in, it. even in the bike leg because you have a, a long way where you're going downhill yes. for a long time yeah. mm. so then how like you know it's almost impossible to like hit your power numbers going totally. going downhill at that speed yeah and then you're straight then you're into like, like a really long pancake flat section yeah. which is that's probably See, the hardest part of that course is the flat part yeah i yeah. think mentally as well as you say it's, it's flat and straight and, and long yeah and then you also know and windy you have to go back up yes. all that hill yeah. to get back there mm-hmm. <laughs> and then run and then run yeah, yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> Yeah, no, but I've really enjoyed it. It's, it. That doesn't mean that I don't still, I really, like, I love Exeter. I'm planning to go to Maui again this year. Excellent. Um, and it just, it just, I had to make a choice. Like, I could do two things sort of average, or I could mm-hmm. do one thing well. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I just sort of tried to focus my energy on doing the one thing well. Yeah. And um, Ironman's been challenging. Like, I don't think that I've had as much success in the Ironman stuff as I would have liked, because I did make some... Uh, poor choices early in terms of my schedule and stuff like that and it took me a little while to figure out what worked for me and I think uh, 2014-15 I was starting to get better Um, but I I then just broke my ankle so that was kind of a a gnarly ankle fracture yeah so I kind of lost a year which um, Marilyn has been she was a really good friend through all that stuff and um, we were just reflecting on that where when you come back from like a major injury it makes you a lot more empathetic for the athletes you coach who are dealing with different injuries Um, it gives you a little bit more perspective on coming back from nothing because that I really had to come. Marilyn came back from nothing, from a very bad injury, um, sickness, and and I like had essentially no calf strength and like no impact on my legs, and so I basically had to relearn how to run and make my ankle work again and and be patient. Yes, yeah. yes, which I is very hard, difficult. Like, when I was, I, I, like Mel said, I got I got a staph infection, I got very sick, mm. so I was off my feet for for a few months, and yeah, I really appreciated how someone coming into a sport like running for the mm-hmm. first time mm-hmm. and especially if they're overweight or they've or they haven't run before like how much that loading um mm-hmm. is actually like you take it for granted when you're fit mm-hmm. what you're doing but mm-hmm. when you're coming from nothing you start to realize okay this is a patient process mm-hmm. otherwise you're going to have lots of setbacks so I, f- yeah. I found that very i mean i would never want to go through that experience again of being that ill but I appreciate that what I learned from that experience mm-hmm. and I think for coaching it is really good especially if you are a an athlete like a full-time athlete and you're used to being pretty fit all the time to come back yeah. from really nothing is it makes you appreciate when you're starting with especially with beginner runners or 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 athletes that are just starting to get into sport mm-hmm. or or someone who's you know maybe a little heavier cuz even mm-hmm. that you mm-hmm. just realize what 
when, when you're out of shape what that loading is for yeah, running yes. and I'm sure it's the same for swimming and biking too there's there's a when you're new to it you have to just come in at yeah. it so much slower than you think and I'm sure like a lot of athletes will also come in with a you know a preconceived goal or mm. in mind and then and then you know that realization that it's going to take time you have to be patient and I guess from from your guys's point of view as well though like not letting you know you know ego say you know let's let's keep pushing push, like mm-hmm. it's about becoming then humble and and having that patience mm-hmm. to to really honor your body and then honor the fact that it's not going to be just overnight back to where you were before not and, at all. and that's very tough yeah it to, is to get, it is. get and for, especially for beginner athletes too they don't realize the number of years yes. a professional like Mel has mm-hmm. done to get to that level or mm-hmm. or a runner who like yeah I started at 35 sort of running consistently but it took me about five five to six years to the yeah. where I was running well enough that I was um what do you call it? I guess more at a national level versus yeah. a beginner runner. But that right. took a long time and a lot of patience taking my time, not yeah. not trying to do too many workouts too soon or too much running. Or I mean, I was very lucky to have good coaching where coaches were very careful with, with that. So, But I think the urge for a lot of athletes is to, they want to they do it in a year. Yeah. Like they'll, I have people coming up to me beginner. Oh, I want to run a marathon in September and we're like five months away. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm thinking you can't. Honestly, you really don't want to run a marathon right. right now. Maybe in three years or four years. Let's start with 5K, 10K. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure you get people like that too, Mel, with Ironman. They want to That's jump exactly right in, it. right? Yeah. And I, like generally, I, I might coach some people who have done an Ironman before and have some history in the sport. And, and, and th- so they want to do another Ironman. And those athletes, I'll discuss with them whether or not that's the right choice for mm-hmm. them that year based mm-hmm. on what their goals are. Yep. But if somebody comes to me and they're like a beginner athlete and they're like, I want to do an Ironman this year, I just say no. Yeah. I just say flat yeah. out no because yeah. it's just you, it, you it's not going to be an experience that is um that they're going to be happy with like, yeah. I just think it's almost impossible to get off the couch and go and race that far yeah. in a healthy way like they're going to buy all this stuff they're going to go and tr- and walk for how long um yeah. at that Ironman right and and, um, and then they'll be injured and they'll be disillusioned yeah. and they'll hate the sport right it's a journey it's like yeah. getting to Ironman um, should be a multi-year process where you, just like an elite athlete would start, mm-hmm. right now they'd start in junior racing sprint races, then they'd go to Olympic distance and, and race that distance, and then they might move up to the half for a couple, of couple three, five years, mm-hmm. and then they might go into Ironman later. Once they yeah. have, like, you know, a lot of years of of building aerobic endurance and durability because you can't build aerobic endurance quickly you can build speed Mm -hmm. quickly Mm -hmm. you can't build that durability and just the loading that Marilyn's Mm -hmm. talking about in a short period of time that takes that takes the time it takes and good training habits too I think when people are rushing into something like a marathon right away or Ironman or they I notice people who have done marathons who've come to me before um Maybe they've done two or three marathons and they want to do another one and train for what they'll say properly. By that time, they've already established poor training patterns and habits and ego-driven type of training where they actually can't trust in the process. And that's really, it's almost like you have to undo their psyche about what, what the physiology is of training. They almost can't grasp it because they've gotten into the habit of rushing like not going easy on easy run exactly yes. oh, there's, precise, there's a dozen <laughs> mistakes that we all make yeah. when, when and 
it's one thing to just do it once, but you've done it into three or four races that you've led up to, you mm-hmm. almost can't let go. Even though it hasn't served you well, right. you're not getting any mm-hmm. faster. Right. It's amazing. People still, once it's established, it's almost like they're, it's their little lifesaver sa- uh, safety raft and they can't let go of it. They, yeah. they can see what's, it's better over there, but they they're clinging onto this shitty little raft. But there's a really nice boat, like really, literally, right there. If they just make the, you know, yep. but they almost can. I get that a lot. So it's a lot of trying to convince people to take a few steps back, get faster, and get better at the shorter distances mm-hmm. first, mm-hmm. Um, and ingrain good technique and ingrain good. Ha- habits of, of of training and nutrition and sleep and all the stuff that goes into training. There's there's a lot to do it well. There's a real art to it. There there really is. Yeah. And a lot of people just want to jump right into the McDonald's of right. training and you know yeah. eat a fast food burger and yeah and they want to and they just want to they just want to <laughs> do as many like kind of hard miles as they possibly can mm. fit in a week rather mm. than learning that you know when you when you want to be faster you actually have to go fast and it's impossible to go fast when you're tired or yep. you're doing or your or your frequency days or your uh, endurance building days are too fast yep. you know you're not going to get recovering. fast in that way and and that's most of the people I work with in Ironman go too hard all the time and <laughs> n- not not easy enough long enough yeah so and they just don't trust that um sometimes training that feels relatively easy is actually serving them well Mm -hmm. and that that's a really hard thing to um get people to buy into right um and also basically telling people that sometimes like particularly for the running they're running too long and Mm -hmm. they're going too slow and they're running too shitty Right. So that's mm-hmm. and that is another thing. Your long run is actually why you're getting injured or why you're really slow. Yeah. Telling people that kind of information is generally not popular, yeah. right? Because well, because people think an easy run, I can go and be a little sloppy. Exactly. Little, like, you right. Kind of uh, just, but but then they, you know, then their glutes aren't firing, and then exactly. their hips are off, and then their yes. knees are off, yes. and then they're getting the injuries. They turn and stuff. off. They turn yes. off. They yeah. stop. They put their ear like we were, like earbuds. you were saying. Put the earbuds in and. Just just go and, and zone disconnect. out. Yeah. And really that's the time you if you're running if 80 to 90% of your running throughout the year is easy and it should be easy. Yeah. It and slow but not sloppy. Like yeah. that's the time when you are running easy to tune in yeah. and practice holding mm-hmm. good form because right. you've got your wits about you at that point hopefully. Right. Right, right, right. I mean, to you're not point. under stress yeah, of going not fast. Yeah. yeah. And so trying to keep that light contact off the ground, trying yeah. to keep your posture, trying to all that stuff should be it, that's the time to ingrain it because that's the most time that you're spending is running easy so yeah. use that time don't don't put the headsets on don't uh really just tune in and sense how am I managing myself how am I yeah. mm-hmm. am I every step I take people ask what well, do you think of it all the time well yeah actually I do I mean peripherally I've got this I'm I'm paying attention to and being mindful and being aware of am I is this the lightest stride I can get on this on the every step I t- I'm taking because for me that's banking it's like an investment like you're I'm running on the in, I, rather than going into the principle and like like running like a slob and and really putting a lot of stress in my joints and levers and everything I'm trying to I'm trying to think okay I'm gonna keep banking this contact time and this lightness I'm trying to as much as I can. Right. And it doesn't mean a perfect technique. I do not run perfectly, but I'm I'm trying to stay in that margin of error where I'm not getting injured or overly fatigued, where I'm yeah. overusing 
muscles and tendons and stuff. So that's really the key. No one runs perfectly, but you're able to stay within that margin of error. And when you do slide out of it, you're, you've got the, the awareness and the mastery to bring yourself back. That's yeah. really what a master is yeah. in anything. If you're a singer or And it's like, I guess player. then, you know, practicing these things so, you know, they almost become second nature so you don't exactly. have to be so mindful. And mm -hmm. then when you stray from yeah. that, it then... I mean, that's what musicians do all the time yeah. and golf pros and tennis pros. They're, yeah. they're not just hitting the ball hither tither because they've done all the technique mm -hmm. in the past. Right. They're thinking technique all the time. Right. But they make it look easy because they are driving the ship every time they go out of that margin of error where efficiency or economy is lost they can bring themselves back yep. instantly we don't notice it but they're they're making mistakes too mm -hmm, like yeah. they're they're coming out, out of that zone out of that moment but for them it's a moment and right. they, they can feel i'm off back on yeah mm -hmm. straight back back to on it. and yeah. really at the end of a race that's all you've got to hang on to is yeah. technique yeah when i'm in the last part of the marathon i'm not thinking about my training i'm not thinking about I don't know. I'm thinking about continuing on with as much economy as I can muster for yeah. as fatigued as I am. And that can only happen when I, I practice that on a the daily majority basis. majority of the time. Yeah. Right. yeah. Otherwise, it won't happen suddenly. Right. You know, you got to be thinking about that all the time. Mm -hmm. If you want to do well, I think that's really important. Like, mm -hmm. That's really key, right? And I'm mm -hmm. sure for Absolutely. swimming, it's taught and that's definitely something in swimming that you yeah. guys are always yeah. talking about yeah. well there's like this saying is like perfect practice makes perfect mm -hmm. right and, mm -hmm. and you and that and I don't Marilyn's right no one's ever gonna be perfect and um, but but it does make a lot of sense to spend the majority of your time doing things well Mm -hmm. And so um, we're focusing mostly on running because I, I think that there is a certain amount of, I, I think with swimming, there's uh, a lot of people just give up on, on, on what the technique is. And it's because they actually haven't focused on some of the basics, which is mm -hmm. mobility and flexibility. And they yeah. just can't actually access technique. So then they're just like, well, my stroke's always going to suck. I'm just going to hammer it out which is a bad way of thinking but um but that's what a lot of people come to and then mm -hmm. with their bike fit they're just like okay well um I'm gonna just try and get in this position which they again don't have enough mobility or flexibility to get into right um and so they pedal inefficiently and again they can't access mm -hmm. their technique right so and then with running um what everything that Marilyn's saying is true it just comes down to um knowing what how to run and having the mobility and flexibility to access a good run stride um but one of the things that I learned coming back from this injury is that like I actually did try to come back too soon and it was a real eye-opener for me how f how fast it wasn't as fast as I could be I was still really slow for me but for, it was amazing how fast and how much training I could do with no calf strength right like I couldn't I basically still couldn't balance on one leg but I could run a 130 something half right off the bike okay right? I wanted I wanted to run a 120 something <laughs> off the bike but I I would I would say to Marilyn every day I don't understand it I still have no bounce and she's yeah. like well it's loading it is true because I was coming back with very little loading to do that but I also just didn't have enough fundamental strength to actually absorb the landing yeah so so that was a real eye-opener for me where it's like okay if you don't have enough actual functional strength to even support what you're doing like you don't your rotator cuff is not strong enough to pull water right your your core is not strong enough to keep you stable while you're sitting in arrow position 
and you don't have enough lower leg and hip strength to um, stabilize your body on one leg, yep. um, mm-hmm. you're going to get injured. Yeah. Because I got like this close to a stress fracture from trying to run without adequate um, left leg strength in that ankle. And that, and, and it was a real eye opener for me because I'll get people that can do a lot of training, yeah. but they actually shouldn't be doing any of it. Right. Because mm-hmm. they're really, because they keep, the, so people who have plantar fasciitis keep getting stress flat fractures, mm-hmm. um, like all, all sorts of foot and calf, like soleus tears and things like that. Um, for sure their technique is like is a like a red flag for sure yeah but also just their lower leg strength like do they have enough strength Mm -hmm. to actually absorb the shock of how much running they're doing and that was and for me when I work with people it's like okay let's make sure your feet and your lower limbs are really strong and because we're like most of the time in triathlon they're working on core and hip stuff because mm-hmm. for the right. bike yeah right but they just forget that their feet and calves are basically what's absorbing the most impact of all of their training right and that and so feet yeah, calf strength, strength conditioning is so it's important. so important that ha- especially when you're puzzle. old it's part of the puzzle yeah. It's, yeah there's so many elements that you have to look at and some people just look for training right yes and right. they and just want to do this the sexy training right <laughs> yeah. they want to work hard they yeah. want to burn calories they want to they want to crush themselves because that's what gives you the endorphins and the yeah. the feel good and whatever but if you actually want to um achieve your goals it's a much more holistic view of what is going on in your body like what does your body where is it actually limiting you sometimes people are like functionally perfect and it's like their head they're they just can't um, go hard on race day and they need to work on their mental but in general most people don't have adequate strength and flexibility to do what they want to do and they don't take the time to do that because it's not fun but really they're just going to get injured if they don't do that right or they're also yeah they're not accessing this like potential yes because of that lack absolutely they can't actually physically get to the potential of what their engine has probably right because functionally they're not it's not working or the technique is they're not getting the flow in the run so they can't actually run fast enough to to ever do the workouts if you know that can be thing or mentally they can't manage to get over that hump whatever but the functional part is so important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah, you can access it definitely through strength and conditioning technique. Sometimes it's a nutrition problem totally. too. Yeah. Like that can sometimes hinder people's performances mm-hmm. just because they kind of don't realize that you kind of you have to eat well. Yeah. yeah. You have to yeah. fuel. You can't yeah, you, you know? can't just sit and have a food yeah. fest after every training session <laughs> right. and think that exercising is going to make you yeah. thin because it's again, it's 80% easy training. 20% hard training. It's 80% your diet and 20% your training that determines your body composition. So right. mm-hmm. if 80% is like just crappy food or too much food or improperly timed mm. food, because some people, or, or not enough food. I, right. Like a lot mm. of people actually, most and of the time don't eat enough. Yeah. And then, yeah. and then on other times when it's a bad time, they eat too much. Right. So it's like, sometimes it's just timing. Mm-hmm. So um, but yeah, it's eighty percent your diet basically determines like what and your body composition. Yeah, and, and your body composition affects your performance. Too. Yeah, like, yeah. A lot of people are trying to stay at race weight all year round. Yes, I mean there's so many. We can go on to so many topics, yeah. but that's yeah. another. Yeah. Um, um, people see you know runners and they're always looking fit, but a lot of those runners will put on five to ten pounds on their off season. Right. Gain, regain and kind of heal up anything that they don't maybe know that might be creeping up on them and definitely body composition is important mm-hmm. like you have to mm-hmm. be okay with putting on 
five to ten pounds yeah. right. whatever during off season because that actually I think in the long run it'll eventually come off again yeah. mm-hmm. for race season but you gotta put that weight back on otherwise the chance the risk of injury goes up yeah, like it, yeah. it just or just adrenal just fatigue does. there's yeah. a whole bunch of stuff yeah. when you're constantly restricting mm-hmm. um, food and you end up in the down. fatigue. You get, end up with illness and fatigue for sure if you're trying to stay at an optimized um, sort of body weight. Mm-hmm. And it's especially with uh, racing, you need to take a break not only from training but also from being too skinny. Right? Right. Mm-hmm. Or even just maybe you're not too skinny. Maybe you're perfect and you need to go from perfect to uh, like five pounds heavier mm-hmm. because your body just needs that break. Like yeah. it's that that risk like you're in order to be at race weight or your ideal weight generally you're being careful all Mm. the time and and just mentally (laughs) mentally like sometimes it's it's your it's your central nervous system you need to just like let things reset yeah and I think that's a problem like um I know um there was a there's a a girl who raced for the British age group or the British elite team Holly now I can't remember her surname. It was a few years ago, but I remember reading an article about her struggles with um, eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and it seems to be um, there's definitely. I mean, I see it myself. Like, and I've had conversations with my coach about, you know, maybe I put a note in. Like, I feel like my my thighs are too fat right now, or mm-hmm. or things mm-hmm. like that. And I think you know we look at these elite athletes and we think that's what I should look like, exactly. and I don't look like that right yes. now. Yeah. But it's also not restrictive to women. No. It's it's a common problem yes. amongst men as mm-hmm. well. Absolutely. You know, getting that power to weight ratio. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that you know letting people know it's okay to have that you know couple pounds to play around with and mm-hmm. not be. Because yeah, if you're if you're running also a calorie deficit and trying to train, you're not gonna you're not gonna reach that potential mm-hmm. again. Yeah, you won't recover. Yeah, and, and yeah, it's for. I think a lot of people look at elite athletes when they're at their peak, right? right. So that's so they look at TV and they see an athlete who's mm-hmm. at their very at very best, right? right? Yeah. And that, so they've like for six weeks before that, it's like full on. It's it's like every single ounce matters. Yep. Yeah. As soon as they leave the Olympics, that is not the case, yeah. right? Yeah. If, well, if it's a mm-hmm. if if they're on an intelligent program, they're going to put mm-hmm. five or ten pounds on. Yep. They're going to relax. They're not yep. going to be mm-hmm. like that. And so they're not at that weight mm-hmm. year round. Whereas um, a and lot also- of people, a lot of people that um, do like, let's say they do triathlon and they're not elite athletics, it becomes part of their identity. They mm-hmm. identify as a as a triathlete, and so they want their body to look a certain way all the mm-hmm. time because right. because triathlon is who they are and they always have to look like that but but that's like a less healthy relationship with the sport yeah right like you you need to embrace what your body is for you and what your ideal body position is for you like what Marilyn looks like at race weight and what I would look at like at my race weight are different I would like we were in the car and I was like oh my quads are so huge and my butt isn't big enough and like what we all have our our stuff right like and your body is going to be what your body has turned into from having a really good go at the sport yeah and so you just have to embrace what it's gonna look Mm -hmm. like um and make healthy choices like starving yourself to be to look like another athlete would look like when they're at their peak weight Mm -hmm. is not going to improve your performance right and um 
a lot of the athletes that are very, very lean and at that peak at the Olympics have spent 10 to 15 mm-hmm. years working Gradually their way to that yes. ideal race weight. Right. Yeah. It didn't happen in one year. And yeah. oftentimes, too, if they're doing it properly and if they're under a good federation, like someone's watching over them, they're also doing body comps with muscle mass, too. Like So they're, mm-hmm. they're checking to make sure as they're leaning out over the years that the muscle mass is staying. It's not eating away at the muscle either right. so they're they're making sure they're doing enough strength and conditioning and they're, they're eating well enough that they're maintaining muscle girth as they're losing weight right. like mm-hmm. if they are using losing right. their body fat slowly over yeah. time and that they've got a big team behind them mm-hmm. doing that like this is like when you're at that level like the at, at a pro level or an olympic level whatever you want to call it they often those athletes that you're looking at that look like lean running machines are They've, there's a team behind them right. doing that. They've got dietitians. They've got like sports scientists taking body comps, giving them feedback, giving the coaches. So, you know, for someone who's not at that level, looking at them, and if they were thinking, "Oh, I just have to get to that weight," well, right. there's a big process, like yeah. Mel saying, mm-hmm. to get there. So, yeah. I think looking at elite athletes sometimes is um, it can be uh, dangerous, yeah, yeah, and dangerous. I yeah. think, especially for young athletes who are just going into the sport and they've got a little bit of you know teen pudginess about them that should remain on them for years like mm-hmm. they shouldn't be trying to get leaned out at 18 you right know? for sure because then yeah. where are you gonna go right yeah go, go to the training first go to everything else that you can do learning good rest like a recovery protocols everything else that body leanness should come towards the end yeah. I think yeah. like it doesn't need to be all in at the at, I think that's that's the big one right at the start is yeah is when you're starting out the leanness will come over time it's at, at this you don't need to be focusing I don't tell my athletes okay you have to lose that extra five pounds before yeah. the marathon I'm just like yeah. look it's your second marathon let's you know there's many other avenues we can we can um go down and check out and other training stuff that we can explore before we get down to that stuff. Right. But everybody wants to do it all at once, yeah. right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. And uh, I just think, yeah, I mean, you probably... Well, I think have... the other thing with triathlon is that you, you're... Like, running is very much economy, right? Mm-hmm. It's a very... So, light and economical. Like, especially as you get to longer and longer distances, it's much less about power and much more about efficiency and economy. So, that's where being very light and efficient, it makes a lot of sense. So, if you're mm-hmm. if you're starving yourself to this <laughs> wafiness, you're probably going to get away with it, right? But if you are in a power sport like cycling yeah, right. and you're trying to ride hard and you actually need that power... So so there's absolutely a tipping point, and uh, and I actually was doing some body comp stuff with a with a physiologist that Marilyn works with a lot, Trent Stellingworth, and he did some body comps, and he was showing me the difference between like a cyclist at the Olympics and a runner, and the body compositions of the women were very different between these two sports. Like what percentage body fat and how much mu- muscle mass is on a cyclist is so much different than even a runner that is in like a, like a, a more of a power sport, like a 1500 meter mm-hmm. or a short runner, which would be probably none of them are heavy, but heavier than like what right. an, a, what muscle. a marathon would right. look like. Yeah. Right. So in triathlon, um, 
and given the amount of hours that's spent and how your body wants to hold on to fat when you're swimming, because swimming is actually a really difficult sport to lean out of. Swimmers were the like quote unquote fattest of the Olympic athletes, right? Because fat actually helps you be buoyant. Uh-huh. So you need some fat for swimming, you need some muscle for cycling, and then you need to be light for running. So where is the right. where is yeah. the right place to yeah. be in there? So how can you how can you decide what your body should look like for that sport until you spend a good amount of time figuring out, okay, where are my strengths? How do I figure out um, my sport? Am I a runner? Do I need to just be, like run everyone down? Okay, well then maybe I need to focus on how light I am. Am I a fast swim biker? Okay, you better be powerful. You want to have a gap on those people? Be yeah. powerful. And then maybe slowly chip away at what is the right the tipping point between um, your muscle mass and your leanness so that you still maintain all that power but can run fast. And that takes some time. And sometimes, like I've seen it in mountain biking all the time, a lot of athletes get too skinny because they want to be good climbers and then they have no power. Right. Right. And so, like, I came from a mountain biking background. I know that there's all different sizes. I look at them now, and they're definitely getting skinnier and tinier. Like, definitely skinny, skinny, skinny. But the race is also shorter. And right. different, like there's like, it's it, it, it's a different kind of event. It's more like technical skills and everyone just seems to look really small to me. Like, like mountain <laughs> bikers are like short, you know, yeah. like small, not just in, in thinness, but kind of little people. And if you're a little person, then you are never going to have high power, right? Your right. whole thing is power to weight. You're right. not a big, powerful person like Gunrita Dalla, who I love. She's like, she's a bigger, powerful person. She's built a lot like, well, we're the same, I think we're the same height and weight. And so I look at her next to like someone like um I don't know Emily Batty you know right. who's like five feet tall and she's just right. a tiny little right. person um Gunrita's is competing with those girls yes but she has like big power yeah and someone like Emily is light and quick or or yeah. even Catherine Pendrell she's kind of in between height wise but she's quite thin right. she's really thin um but um Catherine's a really poor starter Right? She doesn't have the power off the start line. She just has a really strong, fast pace, and she always gets herself back in the race. Yeah. So here's three totally... Here's tiny little Emily Batty. Here's really thin, super aerobic monster Catherine Pendrell. And then here's powerful Gunrita Dolly. Three uh, incredible athletes that have completely different body compositions. But yeah. they figured it out. But they're all fast, they yeah. right? They can all the win the race. Yeah. So in triathlon, you have three different disciplines that you may or may not have a strength for and you need to figure out what is the right body composition given what you start with because you can't yeah. change what you're starting with I'm right. tall I'm a right. big person I am always going to be Gunrita right. there's no way around it I'm never going to be Emily Batty so I always have to figure out what's the right balance with me being powerful what do I need to actually recover from all this training and I find restricting calories and getting lean always costs me my training mm-hmm. Always, Mm -hmm. like every time I'm trying to lose weight, my body does not want to be any smaller. It's always like it's always a battle, right? So I have to make good choices. Like if I drink alcohol, I'm gonna be fatter. Yeah. So like I can't drink alcohol. It's not doing me any favors, right? Right. But do I need to eat solid meals and not restrict carbohydrates so I can recover for the next next day? Yes. Yeah. Make the good choices. Yeah. Boozing after training is not gonna get you lean, right? (laughs) Eating a muffin and a cookie and a whatever is not gonna get you lean. Right. Eating a proper meal 
yeah. when it's time to eat a proper meal, it's going to help you recover, recover, right? Like you have to fuel your training. It's, it's training and, and fuel. It's not dieting and exercising. Yeah. yeah. So that's the difference. Yeah. You have to really think about it that way. And if you think of it as fueling like nutrition, fuel and training, your body will find its right spot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just common sense. You like, if you just do things with that in mind every time, is this glass of wine, do I need it? Sometimes you need it for mental. We right. went out to the Bellagio last night, had a glass of wine. It was awesome. I needed that for mental. Yeah. Uh, you can afford to have that. You can have a day yeah, where I believe balance. in balance. I don't right. believe that everyone has to be like 100% on all the time because it's not sustainable. Right. It's like it's your life, yeah. right? This is a journey. Like enjoy your life. But... You know, do you have to eat a bag of chips after you've had lunch, before you have an ice, a bowl of ice cream, and a cookie, and then snack while you're making dinner, right? right? That's where you run into trouble, is you stop training at about 2 o'clock, and you eat solid through past dinner time, yeah. and then you're eating popcorn on the couch. Yeah. That's, that your pug. is your yeah. problem. Yeah. That's the problem. It's not any of the fuel, it's not any of the meals in between. It's right. the mindless junk that you know you shouldn't be eating but you think you deserve it right right that's yeah. if you cut that out yeah you don't have to do anything else mm-hmm. you don't actually have to diet because then you'll just trust the process and you'll find where you need to be yes mm-hmm. yeah if you just are, are thoughtful about it yes i need to eat appropriate things i'm hungry now all this stuff don't put earphones in while you're running and run like a slob don't go into the pool and just like hack around like doing a bunch of useless lengths where you're not actually pulling any water don't do a bunch of junky zone one miles where you're not actually doing anything on your bike and then don't do zone three where you're not really going hard and you're not really going easy it's just mindful don't eat a bunch of crap just because like you're bored yeah (laughs) so so most of this stuff is all just being engaged and present and thoughtful about what you're doing Mm -hmm. if you start with that yeah you're you're probably in a good place yeah that's um you know and as you said that's a lot of like real kind of like basic stuff but for some people that have maybe been training for a long time or racing for a long time or or you know there's a lot we talk about a lot like there's a lot of type a personalities that come into the sports there's a lot of ego driven goals and stuff that can be difficult mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to to really accept and, well, and there, there's it's the not poor, a quick fix yeah yeah because they've got poor yeah training habits it's mm-hmm. habitual habits yeah. are hard to break yeah um, and the thought process that goes behind yeah. a habitual action is hard to break. Yeah. But you just, like Mel said, you just have to be mindful all the time. And, right. And, and just, yeah, use common sense and and, um, and and finding a good coach that understands that stuff. Like, that's the kind of thing mm-hmm. you should be interviewing your coach right. before you hire them. Yeah. And say, yeah. what, are your, what are the basic fundamentals I need to cover that's going to get me to to be injury free or consistent right. and faster. Well, actually, don't feed them that. They should be telling you. We right. want you to be. I want you to be consistent. Yes. that's my goal. So don't feed them that. But just say, how am I going to get better? And if they start throwing out rubbish at you about you know all this fancy gadget stuff and yeah. science stuff and da da da, when you're not at a pro level already, that you need all those extra fancy and we're going to train at altitude and we're going to do da da da. Yeah, you just need ba- and they. They should be telling you some really good fundamental um, common sense things. Mm -hmm. And it should be clear in their minds. And I would also say that 
if you're going to hire a coach, that they, they, the coach should actually be empowering you right. in terms of letting you know why you're doing the training, why, mm-hmm. you know, what the training, and educating yeah. because, and, and they, they, you should hear from them that they understand what, what the meaning is of a training block or what, what the focus is mm-hmm. or what you're trying mm-hmm. to achieve. Mm-hmm. And then within that training block, specific workouts, you should yeah. be able to ask, well, why am I running? Yeah this pace versus that mm-hmm, pace yeah. why are the brakes shorter they should be telling you that if you don't understand put up your hand and ask yeah how come you know I'm doing five minute repeats and you're only giving me a one minute rest right versus a three minute rest why right? am I doing the same thing every week all year all the time <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah. you should ask why, why do we always do this workout on Tuesday and this yeah. one on Thursday or this kind of workout yeah even if the workouts change during the week the fact that you do the same workouts yeah. Every year, every week, all the time, and there's no actual change in anything mm-hmm. in your block. Yeah. That's a social program. Right. That's not a training program. Right. Training is periodized, it's thoughtful, it's individualized. Yeah. So like I think there's a, a very large number of social programs. Right. Fitness programs yeah. that are out there that get people which is started. Which is cool want. if it yeah. brings people into the sport for sure. Like right. some people has, just it, want that. They right. just want to go and exercise with people. But then for that, but then though. for like a bigger thing like an Iron Man or something like that. That's where needs, you run into trouble. Be, <laughs> there needs to be less there's no fitness you're not going no. into as a social yeah. no. you know, it's a social it's an Iron Man is not a social sport. Like, oh I'm just gonna do a couch to five K. Yes. Like it's not appropriate in that case then. Yes. So if people want to find either of your coaching uh, sites or, mm-hmm. or things where the, can they find you at well my website is racergirl.com and I have a bunch of co- like articles and stuff on coaching that could be a resource for some people I've been blabber blathering about this stuff for years so mine's racergirl.com and um, I don't advertise the coaching it's just if people are asking for more advice I just accept yeah. um, a certain number of athletes I don't right. take that many because yeah. my coaching is like is like it's not a social program it's right. a it's a um one-on-one yeah it's more like what a what a professional athlete would have right. so i have a limited number yep um and but I'm, yeah yeah and i'm the same i i it's one-on-one coaching that i do so and it's uh, mindful strides is the <laughs> website yeah. for um the technique stuff but if you want to if to contact me by email it's marilyn at Mindful Strides. Perfect. Merrill, like Marilyn Monroe. <laughs> but that, go. yeah, and it's an individualized program. It's mm-hmm. not, it's not a, like, sort of, um, yeah, yeah, it's, it's more of, um, really making sure that the athlete, um, it's not cookie cutter, it's, yes. it's, it's designed for the person I'm coaching, no matter what the level is. Right. So, which I think is, is, is just a different offering compared to, there's a lot of programs out there that yeah. you can you can here's your okay I'll be your coach but here's your half Ironman program and they give right. you all and it, the the training it's, in three it's months. already built it's already into done. a program yeah if if they can actually sp- like splurt out three months worth of training and they've just met you it's probably not yeah it's probably not an individual like basically if it's an individual program you pretty much are, are discussing what's happening every week. week right. Week. And you, right. and I, I can't tell my athletes what they're going to, like, I'll, I'll tell them what they're doing this week. Right. But until I know what happened this week, I don't know what yeah, they're doing like, next week. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't understand. You can't, and, and you can still have a periodization. Can. You can yeah. still have a plan for the year. Yeah. But the details of that plan unfold mm. as the year and and you you see how things progress like yeah. that is individualized training it's yeah. it's not you can't just join a program and have a program that you get yeah <laughs> absolutely but having said that too 
um, you know, if you're a beginner athlete, uh, Marilyn and I talked about this, you know, it's supposed to be 80, 20, um, easy, hard, a beginner athlete could probably join any program and just go train easy for yeah. like three years. Right. Mm -hmm. And they'd probably be better off yeah. than doing mm -hmm. anything else. Right. You know, just mm -hmm. start to get some experience, some mileage. That's, that's, I, that's what I tell people who are just coming into the sport. Like mm -hmm. maybe join some people that are better than you. So you can learn about bike handling skills or you can just see what kind of junk you need, yeah. you know, just kind of learn yep. what, what the sport is, but just go easy yeah. all the time. Yeah. Just build yourself some just aerobic fitness. <laughs> yeah. You know? But I think, I think, don't you think some beginner athletes or people coming into the sport for the first time they they worry that getting a coach is overkill like they think right. oh i'm not i don't i'm not i'm not at that level but actually that's when you should get a coach right it's right at the beginning because again it's about learning good training habits and yeah. i think if you start from the beginning with a coach that's that's has common sense um applications and know-how and can, are good are good coaches in terms of reading body language and all that stuff like the, then you're going to be in a good place from the start versus well so what i was saying of, is joining a joining yeah. a program that's for everybody and right. so you have a beginner who's in there with a triathlete who's been training for 10 years exactly. who does track repeats on tuesday exactly. threshold yeah. on thursday and yeah. a two-hour run on sunday and that beginner comes in and yeah. just wants to be part of the group and is right. doing these three things and then is trying to go hard on their bike on wednesday yeah. and then is hammering on saturday right. so basically they they've they no aerobic endurance <laughs> at all and so they're doing track repeats on tuesday they're going bike repeats on wednesday maybe thursday or friday they might have a second off because they're like they've got a niggle at that point right and then they go hard again on Friday, Saturday, yeah. and Sunday. Yeah. But it's not hard. It's zone three because they actually don't have enough aerobic fitness or fundamental strength to even actually go hard. Right. That's what typical. Yeah. Joining a triathlon program, you're brand new. That is the typical thing and you last a month and you've already got an injury. You can't run. Right. Yeah. Right. So... Like, that's what I see most of the time in terms of, like, coaching programs. Group coaching is difficult to manage individuals. Yep. Mm -hmm. Right? So, unless you have a coach that's looking at your program in, in particular, I don't think it's a good idea to go and do intensity with anyone. Right. Unless you know what you're doing. Yeah. If, you, yeah. if you've had somebody teach you... The, mm -hmm. like the fundamental like philosophy of training or like just if you've read up on stuff and figured it out that's great but in general most people in triathlon need to go a lot more of the time easy yeah and if they are going to go hard they have to be really thoughtful mindful <laughs> mindful about what it is yeah we talk a lot or I talk a lot about mindfulness and and it's so important in so many aspects of our life so when it comes to like mindful eating mindful recovery mm -hmm. mindful training mindful work habits mindful attitude you know yeah. so it's it's interesting how it does like bleed into everything else but well I know you have to go so I'm sorry but um but thank you so much for both staying down and and um like look forward to both following you and and I've I followed your a lot of your rehab for on Instagram for your ankle injury and so it's good to see you know and you do like really practice what you preach there's a lot of stability work a lot of um you know fundamental ankle work that you 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 put the time in mm -hmm. to get back to where mm -hmm. you are now and and so um so yeah definitely people follow up on the websites and and reach out but thank you thank, thank you. you viva las vegas <laughs> <laughs>
Thanks again for listening. Remember to uh, subscribe on iTunes and if you can, go ahead and leave me a five-star review just to brighten up my day. (laughs) Um, We'll see you all next week, but until then, stay dirty, my friends. Thank you.